I love that it gets it gives it gives you a countdown. I love that it's yeah, just like sweet. it's like oh the show begins in five, four, four three, three, two, two one, one. lift off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if you listen to this with headphones. <laughs> I've been yeah. listening to way too many countdowns these days. Oh. Uh, is that relating to things with rockets and spice? It is, yeah. Um so as you might as you may know, I I love this game Kerbal Space Program and recently the successor came out. And it's a mixed bag. It's incredibly buggy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it has come out as early access and the developers are really hard at work and many of the bugs are very um, they're like they're rocket rocket bugs basically but <laughs> still when I look at these bugs I'm like oh yeah yeah I know I know exactly how that must feel in, on the code on the code base you know yes uh, like if you build your rocket part normally it just works but if you if you attach it on the side and then add some I don't know symmetry or whatever then it will just duplicate whenever I save my game so every time I save my game it takes twice as long and until it's just <laughs> unplayable <laughs> um, I'm sure they'll kinda, fix that yeah you kind of build like this mental map of mm-hmm. of where are the where are the landmines where are the 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 trip wires and how can i step around those and it's just going to be hard later on when the game is more complete and less less buggy um it's going to be hard uh to unlearn those those avoidance maneuvers i think that reminds Um, me of using swift ui (laughs) it is it is um yeah basically that um but yeah it's it's very fun if you are new to uh rocket building games wait until the next patch uh, at least, but if you um, the, like from the release to the first patch, they already patched like three hundred things, and it was Oof. like an incredibly big step forward in 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 reliability and performance and and um, just completeness of the game. Yeah. So if they continue like that, like I have, I am actually of like I'm pretty hopeful and pretty. Um, I'm pretty much looking forward for the game and I'm expecting it to be to be done because the people who make it are also very nice. Mm-hmm. So what I tried to do is I like I tried like because the game doesn't have a story yet, right? So I tried just to, to visit every single planetary body and I started with just the regular moon because I was like, okay, I'm going to land on the moon. All right, cool, that works. And then next up I was I was like, okay, let's go to Mars. Well, Mars is called Duna in this game, but it's basically the same. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm just building a lander, and I'm building a mothership, and then I'm building a launch rocket that will launch those two, those, those two, and then I'm just flying my my Kerbal astronaut to Mars. <laughs> and I land there. Oh, wait, wait, well, I, I I arrive there, leave the mothership in orbit, then land there with the lander, and then walk around. And the graphics are incredibly beautiful. And even though you're you're kind of like your your avatars are like little green men. Or little green figurines. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you get out there, and like the wind is is blowing and howling, and you see these little dust devils, and um, you look to the horizon, and everything is red, and um, you walk around, and you realize there's just no one here. It's just you are all alone on this whole planet. And that was the time <laughs> when that was the second where like, okay, I'm gonna be- go back to the ship now. <laughs> um, right. And then I realized that I had. Uh, I had just not enough fuel to go, to get back to orbit, 
So I actually had to like <laughs> create a second mission uh, that would also fly out there and just bring them enough fuel so they could actually come back up. And it was, fun. it was really fun. Like those are the fun, like those are the most parts of KSP when you, when you, when something goes not as planned and you kind of have to think on your feet and, and find an alternative route or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I do. I do remember my kids playing the original KSP mm-hmm. years ago now. And we kind of joke, they've still got some, some kerbals, the, the little green guys. Um, floating out in the solar system (laughs) (laughs) which they got quite upset about because they didn't understand it well enough to sort of be able to go and rescue them but it's sort of become a bit of a bit of a silly thing you know there's there's several guys just out there in orbit like still waiting (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I mean they do not age and they don't need any food or drink and they're never running out of oxygen so they're fine they're just a bit bored yeah, like gigantic tardigrades, basically. And, and a bit <laughs> cuter. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think they're kind of cute, but in a sort of, oh my God, what is that thing? Why? That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> true. Actually, uh, a good friend of mine gave me them, gave me, gave me those for my birthday at one point. So they're like, they're tiny. They're like, I don't know, three centimeters, maybe four centimeters high. That's like around two ish inches, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, but they are adorable. Uh, so yeah, and they're standing. They're standing somewhere in my in my room, awesome. watching me watching me work. Oh, we uh, have recently become a Windows machine house again mm. after many many years without Windows machines. How does it feel? Which Windows? How, why? Uh, Tell me more. Uh, yeah, good good question. So the the short answer is is that my youngest child is now uh, well, he's approaching 14 and um he plays a lot of minecraft mm-hmm. and game, games like kerbals and things like that um but he's been gaming on a 2013 macbook pro 13 inch with the integrated intel graphics and it's kind of sucks right it's 10 years old this year mm. and um it plays the things he's wanted to play but it's been really really slow so yeah, um, we we're in a position to sort of look at um, look at sorting him out a, a dedicated machine. Uh, there's a bit of a around the houses process. Like I I spotted a refurb HP Elite Desk computer, which is like an office machine, but um, there's plenty of blogs and videos and stuff about buying a low profile graphics card and turning them into a pretty reasonable sort of entry level gaming rig. We thought, yeah, okay, we can we can do that. Um, it's a nice, cheap way of sort of sorting this out. And the box we bought was kind of DOA. Oh, like, no. Yeah, it didn't matter what we did with it. There was no graphics output. And I thought, well, I'm not putting the, the low-profile card in there. That is exactly so, my experience with building Windows PCs. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this was before we'd even built anything or done anything. The build on this was just going to be chucking in a, a, a graphics card and maybe reinstalling the OS. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't even get that far. So that went back. I had a very disappointed child, and I looked at the numbers and just went, yeah, we're going to buy the bits to build this and do it right. Oh, so... Nice. Yeah, that that's what we did uh, last last weekend. We had all the bits, and we spent a good good evening 
building this PC together, which was such a wholesome like father and son activity, <laughs> to be honest. Because um, I was I was guiding what we were doing. He was passing me bits. We were talking about how it all worked and what we were seeing, uh, which was great. And I want to say this was like first try. I turned it on. It was perfect. Oh wow! And it was would it have been nah. <laughs> It would have been had I remembered to plug um, the second power cable into the motherboard because there's a motherboard power connector and then another one for powering mm. the CPU and everything else. Yeah, uh, and I missed the the second one, so it sort of didn't turn on. And I was like, "Oh no!" You <laughs> see his face, like, "Not again!" <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you know, we discovered that, and that, that was pretty obvious and sorted that and then when we plugged it in everything else was was ready to go so wow. yeah yeah we, we it was very much a sort of knock it out of the park really because that's you know a power cable not messing around with jumpers or you know having things connected to the board in the wrong way or anything like that like it's it i've not built a pc now i've not built pcs in probably 15 years um thinking about it i think the last pc i built was actually helping my brother build a machine um and we he brought all the bits around to our house and we we had like a Mm -hmm. pc building evening um so things have moved on a little bit since then (laughs) like the text moved on of course but like the build quality the way stuff sort of um is more even more like lego than it was back then (laughs) you know um it was very enjoyable and uh i mean we installed windows and i don't think windows is very enjoyable to be honest with you um it does what it does but i don't i don't feel like i can trust it which probably sounds a bit silly but um mm, i think because you know mid 2000s and late 2000s sort of experiences with windows were such that i ended up using linux and then yeah ended up bouncing back to windows then to mac and then if i hadn't done that like i wouldn't be here you know like that's been my my route into apple development has been through hating windows (laughs) uh so it was weird i mean like windows 11 isn't bad you know, like it, it's easy enough to, to get around and use. It does what it does, all of that. And I think they've probably improved a bunch of stuff, but it's just not my home. So, yeah, we got that working for him. Um, I got an OEM key at a decent price instead of paying like over, it would have been about $160 at least here in New Zealand to buy him a, um, New Zealand dollars, not US dollars, to buy a retail license of Windows. And I thought, what? paying for an os i've not done that in years <laughs> uh, <laughs> um so we got an oem key and that's fine that that's considerably cheaper and um yeah he's ready to rock and roll minecraft is running well uh steam is now installed and he's digging into other things like minecraft is running insane compared to that that whole <laughs> mac <laughs> very good yeah yeah, so so it's been an enjoyable experience, and there's a part of me wishes it was possible to build in that way and use an operating system that I like. You know, I I understand why people Hackintosh. Uh, I oh yeah, totally. That. I used to I used to build Hackintoshes back when it was a bit easier to to um to run macOS on Intel hardware. Yes, without too much futzing around with the drivers and stuff like that. 
and it was like super fun. But at the yeah. same time, I'm just I, I just have I have so such such incredibly bad luck with uh, building PCs. Like every single computer that I have built or helped build did not like did have all these like teething problems where it was like mm-hmm. just where it took like weeks to get it to run properly. Even in the in the current era, even when right. when someone who like like every few years or so someone is like nah you just like you just yeah something went wrong but like this it's not like that anymore every, every time that happens like I, I give i tell the person okay tell me exactly what to buy i'm, I'm buying the parts and i'm <laughs> and i'm cooking you dinner while you, while you assemble them and every single time the thing is just dead on arrival um right or something doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> that uh that makes me think about we have a joke in our household because my my wife effects on computers seems to be to get them into states that i just can't can't understand how it's got <clears> there and I, I i come in and then they magically seem to fix themselves without me hardly house si- basically house md yeah 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 and and we refer to this as her magneto powers <laughs> kind of like you know magnetizing and messing the machine up that sounds like you've got pc yeah magneto i got those, but only for windows pcs yeah like so yeah. um or for pcs that you built yourself like for macs i, I like macs just seem to work for me yeah so with other people it's, it's the other way around but oh well so the the ksp stuff i run that on a machine that runs in the cloud so i Ooh, have an app yes. on my desktop and i launch that and then it basically is a windows it's a it's a it's a window with windows in it <laughs> and I can also full screen the thing, of course, and then it yep. just it just renders it in the cloud and streams it to me. And I have a fast enough connection that it works flawlessly and it works very well. So I'm super happy with it. Oh, that's really nice. Uh, well, it's called it's called Shadow. I can I can totally link it in the show notes. Like, why should I yeah, keep quiet? I, they're not they're not sponsoring us or anything. Um, <laughs> but it's it 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 feels right to me, and it's good, and the quality is okay. Uh, it has Windows 10 right now, but it did offer me to upgrade to Windows 11. But I was like, yeah. um, this the Windows, I don't care really ab- about the Windows. So I, I de- kind of declined it. I was like, uh, mm-hmm. why should I run an update on this machine? Like just just as long as it works and it, run, it runs the one application that it's supposed to run. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's just a layer. It is. It is. You're using it like a sort of embedded OS almost to just get to the game. Right. Exactly. Um. Have you, have you, should, should, should we talk about like, I don't know, iPhone, iPhone app development or Mac app development, stuff like that? We, have you we done this, any of that? In the I recent, have been. In the recent I time? have been. Yes. Do tell. Ah, so as I've mentioned on nearly every show for the last three months, I've been working on this SDK for Mastodon. So I've been working on two SDK and that wraps up all of the Mastodon API and Loads of the other variant servers as well, like Pleroma, Acoma, and, and that sort of thing. And it provides a really nice layer to then sit an app on top of. And I've been making this sort of photo browsing app on and off and sitting that on top of the, the SDK that's now, it's not complete, but it's complete enough to start building an app with. And the other weekend I thought, mm, I've not got enough side projects, so let's start a new app. well what actually happened is i'd had a change in in um some medication i have to take it left me staying up uh later at night i was up far far later than than i normally would be because i could not sleep 
Um, and in that moment, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to dive on this idea and fall into it and see what happens. And that was on a Saturday night. And then by the Sunday evening, because I spent a lot of that Sunday working on this as well, uh, I was nearly ready for a test flight release with this little little utility for Mastodon. So, yeah, I, I've called it uh, topiary. So mm-hmm. essentially like, you know, a pruning tool um, because it is for managing your followers on Mastodon. And uh, essentially what, what has happened for me, and this, this may not be a very great reflection on, on where sort of the some of the things are at, but a bunch of people moved from Twitter to the 31st mm-hmm. back in November, like we had a massive wave. Right. And then, of course, it's not for everybody. You know, um, I've, I've found that a lot of the, the general New Zealand people that I followed on Twitter that moved have now moved back. Like this, sort of, there's been this kind of flow. Um, but what I'm left with is I'm following a bunch of accounts that just don't post Hmm. yet. And I kind of thought, well, I don't really want to follow those anymore. It sort of feels a bit like, well, they're dead accounts. Um, so I thought, can I make an app that lets me see that and decide whether to, you know, keep or, or unfollow these people? Uh, and that was the premise. Mm-hmm. Right, it's all to sort of manage um, removing dead accounts, and I thought, well, okay, if I can see when they last posted, then I can filter based on whether they've got no posts anymore or whether they've posted in the last sort of thirty days. Um, and so that's what I've built. It, it you load it, um, you you run it, it loads your uh, followers from the server. Um, that has to be done with respect and carefulness to the the instance that you're on. So. Um, it does take you know, maybe 10, 15 seconds to load everything because it loads it in chunks and it adds a little bit of uh, a little bit of artificial waiting time to doing that so that you oh, don't get so a... considerate. Well, you have to because otherwise the servers may throttle you and right. say, hang on, you're querying too hard. You must be... You're doing something that's trying to bring the server down, basically. You are querying too hard. <laughs> yes. Please stop. Um, <laughs> Querying too hard is telemetry deck's new slogan. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Whenever something crashes, I will say, "Oh, I queried too close to the sun." Yes, yes. I'm thinking more like query hard. You know, uh, <laughs> like die hard, and then you can have query harder. Uh, nice. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, so this was the premise. It goes and loads everything up. You're then able to browse your followers and filter them based on these criteria and things. And uh, initially, I did a very basic kind of swipe to unfollow. Um, and because I left it just as you could do the full swipe to unfollow, mm-hmm. it was a bit trigger happy. And people testing it when I put it out to test flight kind of fed back like, yeah, we need a bit more than this. Uh, because it's impossible to unfollow people, and I didn't have like a um, a concept of being able to undo. Ooh, so, yeah, you need that. <laughs> yes, yes, it's got all that now. So if you unfollow oh, people, it, yeah, yeah, it's been fun. Um, so I've used a library I've been meaning to use in a in an app I'm going to ship for a while, which is it's called Boutique, um, and Boutique sits on top of another. Um, Swift package made by the same person, actually made by this guy called um, I don't, can't pronounce his surname from memory, but um, his handle is Merge Sort. 
Oh um, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll link him in the, the show notes. He's fairly well known in our iOS scene. So yes, I think he runs the iOS Fox, um, Slack, Slack or something. Yes. Yes. Really nice guy. And, uh, Bodega and uh, Boutique are a means of storing uh, codable data without having to think about the database layer right. effectively. Really cool. Really cool layers, to be, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. And so because everything from 2TestDK that we give back as data is codable, pretty much, this, this opens the door then to sort of going, okay, I've got all your people who you're following if you unfollow them, then I just chuck them in a boutique store. Um, and then you can go and browse who you've unfollowed and refollow them if you want to. Like that's that's the mechanism. Yeah, that's really that. good. And if you like move around, it doesn't have to query the server again or something or yes. keep everything in RAM. That's right. That's right. So, so nice. yeah, yeah. And it's um it's a stateful sort of responsive framework. So one really nice thing is I've now got this so that when you tap on on a um, somebody you're following in in the list, it brings up a, a sheet over the top, and you can see more about that person. So you can see their their recent posts and some other metrics and bits, and you can unfollow them from that screen. And one of the really nice things is that because of that mechanism, that then enables the button on the screen below to go and browse the people that you've unfollowed. Right? Oh, because they're from the same source of truth. Yes, yes. And it all comes together really nicely. So I was just playing around with it yesterday and going, okay, unfollow you. Um, probably super annoying for the people I'm following or unfollowing. <laughs> but... I haven't I haven't like um, yeah. noticed you unfollowing me or refollowing or something. Do you even follow me? I follow you. Me of the, you you do follow me. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I might just unfollow and then follow you again just to wind you up later. <laughs> <laughs> do that, do that. Um, also, by the way, I have um, I have news for our listeners mm-hmm. because, of course, if you fi- if you love us, you can find us on Mastodon and like write us, support, uh, tell us we are awesome and amazing and good looking and well spoken <laughs> and um, all all those things. Uh, but so far you could only do that if you could look at your phone or your computer. So if you're in front of your computer, you can write us. If you're in front of your phone, you can do that. But we didn't have a solution for the people who are, uh, sitting in a car right now. So if you are commuting to work or from work, mm-hmm. uh, we now have a solution for you. Just, um, put your hand in the middle of your steering wheel and give it a little toot toot that will tell us that you support us. <laughs> Brilliant. Just you Brilliant. know, like if you if you like waiting for a review, just like doot doot. I'm wondering how many people we can get randomly <laughs> their horn right now. In fact, I'm I'm curious as to who's listening to this while they're in a a traveling situation, whether it's by car or or public transport or even just walking. Like, um, yeah, check the show notes at us. <laughs> um, over on any of the the social media accounts that are listed, yes. and uh, that'll be fun to to find out what situation you in when you listen to. We could also to, do a do um a, a a poll or something like in what situation ooh. do you listen to? You know, well maybe check the waiting for review uh, mustard on account because that's where I think I'll post that. Awesome, but yeah, coming back to my pruning app mm-hmm. um 
one of the things I just wanted to mention that's been super cool is I put this out to Mastodon just on my feed saying, okay, I've got a test flight. And the last time I counted, I think I'd had, had over 40 people um, install it, give it a go. I've had a bunch of screenshots and, and feedback given to me through App Store Connect or directly on uh, on social media. Um, and I've really appreciated that. It's been nice to just put something out there. People have found some immediate use to it. They've also found some immediate things they would rather it didn't do <laughs> um, or what, you know, things they would prefer it to have. And I've been able to implement a bunch of that stuff really, really quickly. Uh, also, I should probably give a very, uh, very welcome shout out to my friend, Chris Slazinski, who may or may not be listening to the show, but he um, gave it a design review. Oh yeah. Shout out to Chris. Yeah. Um, so Chris uh, gave it a, a design review mm-hmm. and went above and beyond and gave me like a Figma project back. Um, and I looked and I, and you know, he's like, Oh, if you like it. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, feel free to use it. And I looked at this, this output and was just like, yep, that looks brilliant. And so he'd sort of taken my first prototype dev view of this thing and put an awful lot of shine into in, with a lot of, relatively simple tweaks right in terms of of what i got and sort of where it could be mm-hmm. and the beauty of that was within a day the app was looking a lot better like the next time i got to spend an hour with it and just implement this stuff oh, that's so amazing. yeah yeah i've been really really pleased with how it's coming together and it's it's one of those like exercises and i don't want to spend the next six months making this thing right it's mm-hmm. a small utility that's a bit of fun, a bit of fun for me to build um, and has a bit of utility for for day to day. It will be more than just something to prune back people whose accounts have died. It's going to become more of a, a general, like uh, a follower manager tool, mm-hmm. as it were. Because there's a bunch of things I'd like to build in over time. But I think it's also going to be one that I'm going to try and ship a lot sooner than I have ever shipped anything before. So. Uh, long time listeners to the show will know how long it took me to get GoVJ2 out the door. <laughs> uh, when I had my little video to audio utility that was supposed to be quick, I sat on it for months before actually releasing it. Um, I am trying to not let that happen here. Uh, so yeah, the goal here is to, to sort of ship, um, certainly by the end of April, have it out there in the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. Push it out there. That's awesome. Ship it. Yes. Um, <laughs> Very, very nice. Um, how's the how's the other app going? Um, the wait, photos have, app, or the photos app. So yeah, you have GoVJ. That is kind Go of VJ. Um, kind of that's, coasting because it's it's more or less in a good state. That's you right. It's feature complete. And there's the photos app, right? There's the photos app. I also have this video to audio utility, but hardly anybody is buying it, and it's kind of done for what it needs to do. So I've sort of left that on pause for. Um, which makes sense. It's not, mm-hmm. there's, there's nobody breaking down my door for new features for it. So it might as well stay where it is. But yeah, so Topiary and um, the photos browsing app are sort of the going concerns at the moment, along with working on 2TestDK. Yeah. So the, the, the photos app will be a longer curve and may or may not wind up in me just making a full. Uh, mastered on client to be honest 
because yeah, I'm enjoying the space and I'm enjoying what can be done with all of this. Like it's so malleable and two test DK itself has, has made it a lot more like sort of just playing with Lego for me. So when I get into that space, I sort of feel super creative. And what I'm seeing is that, um, every time something irritates me in the client apps that I'm using, I'm kind of filing away that note and going, well, I won't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I think let's get the utility out and then let me take a step back and think about what this client app really needs to be, whether it's a photos experience or something broader. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think most of the rest of this year for me is going to be spent working with these sort of Fediverse things, to be honest, in my spare time. Yeah. The year, it's the year, the year of the Fediverse. True. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, also shout out to design review peeps. Like my buddy, uh, Florian always, uh, oftentimes does that for, um, for, for stuff that I do. And it's like so helpful to have like a, a second pair of eyes, uh, to look on, yeah. on, on, on these, at, at these things and, you know, you know how it is. hundred percent. And when you're, even if you've kind of got both of those skills, like when you're in development mode, it's, uh, you don't see it, you know, that like that you've got to take a break and really kind of reset yourself to come back with the designer's eyes, I think. So even if you design it yourself, I feel like it's, it's really helps to have a second pair of eyes. Yes. Because yeah. You like sometimes you just put uh, the effort into a into a design or into a user interaction pattern or stuff or stuff like that, and because you put in the effort, it's kind of like sunk cost, and your brain doesn't want to realize that it's maybe not the right um, the right way to go. Yes, for sure. And you, you sometimes it's very easy to spend a lot of effort down one path just because you've you've like you say it's sunk cost. You've started uh, when actually potentially the right thing to do is to just take pause and do not that a bit of that, <laughs> that. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i know i actually i have a i have something about this i want to skip forward in our show notes go for um, it to a, a a similar thing because i had i had such a thing where people have have told me via mostly via mastodon but also via um github and twitter like mm-hmm. hey i don't understand this part of telemetry deck and so finally I've changed it and I hope I've changed it for the better. I've just deployed it actually. Okay. And it's about naming. So Ooh. um there are various ways of querying the telemetry database. Um and the two most important ones are I'm not gonna use any names for those, I'm gonna describe them because it's about the naming, right? So the one of the type of one type of query that is um okay, just for each day or each month or whatever, just count all the signals or all the users that that just are included in this filter. Yeah. Um, that's the one. Uh, I call that time series. And most like most people don't have a problem, or actually, actually I don't think anyone has a problem with the naming of that one. Um, and the other one is uh, for a given property, uh, what I call dimension for for a given for a given property, give me all the possible values and their distribution. Like for example, if the property is 
I don't know, pizza mode enabled, then it's false and true, or maybe dark mode enabled, false and true. And then you mm -hmm. see like, okay, uh, I don't know, 7,000 people have dark mode enabled and 14,000 people have dark mode disabled. Or maybe it's the system version. And then you see a breakdown, like which people are using which operating system or something like that. Yes. And um, that used to be called in the user interface when creating a new inside, it used to be called top N. Oh, because okay. uh, it gives you the top N values for that property. And where N is right now the maximum amount of values, but I could, in theory, uh, constrain that. For example, if I just want to see like the top five operating systems and I don't want to have an incredibly cluttered chart, then it makes sense or whatever. Yes. Or uh, for my personal dashboard, I want to see the, the top 10 apps that are using telemetry data. But it turns out that um, no one, well, almost no one, is making the jump from, hey, I want to see a breakdown of the values for system version or dark mode to the button that says top N. Yes. Yeah, that, that, um, I can see how that would be confusing. So, yeah, in the end, uh, and then I... <laughs> One, I found myself once again explaining the concept of why this is called top N to, I want to say Christian Selig, who makes Apollo, who's okay. amazing and awesome. Shout out to Christian. Um, and then I was like, huh, I should just rename this. So now I've renamed <laughs> the, the button is now called values breakdown. I want to say yeah, the subtitle that says like, oh yeah, show all the values that belong that are uh, that occur in a certain um, property. The problem here is this: that at a certain point, if I go far enough down the layers of telemetry deck, I reach a layer. If I, if I just reach the, the raw query layer, basically where I code every query by hand and whatever, this is where these these things are called top end queries, and not mm -hmm. only by me, but also by database uh, by databases that I use below that. Like we use uh, Druid as our database. Druid uses uses top end as the correct name, and also other um, analytics and time series databases also use top end as the as as the naming. Yeah. So at some point, there needs to be there needs to be like this 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 point where um where I'm like okay remember this thing that we used to call values breakdown. Now it's called top N because now you're able to actually define the N and also yep. we're, we're now in database land basically. And so okay. this is why I was so stubborn in holding to the top N name because if I, if I could have, I, apparently I could not, but if I could have um, convinced everybody to, to just learn or learn what top N means in telemetry deck language, then I wouldn't have this this break somewhere in the in the learning curve that occurs as people go from the pre-made um, charts to self self-made insights that they use the visual interface for to self-made insights that they actually write the query code for. Yes. Okay. If I take all that in though, Daniel, I can see that uh, like regular users clearly are not going to take this on board, right? So to, they're not going to learn new language for this. Like, I want to see a breakdown. Call it a breakdown, you know, <laughs> that right. sort of thing, yeah? Um, 
And then those that go down into the query language, probably one of the first steps they're going to do is, is use your your builder, which is going to go and when that when it when it reveals what that code is, they're going to see top end there, right? And I guess you can cover this in a sense of kind of anybody who gets to that depth is going to need to learn, um, and it'll probably make a lot of intuitive sense. You can just sort of you know, um, in your reference documentation under breakdown, you've got top end queries or however, you know, you need to structure that and explain that to people. Um, I think it's going to be okay. Like anybody sufficiently motivated or getting into that level is just going to go, all right, yeah, at this stage it's called that because we're going to get the top end values for this thing. Um, I guess I think I'm saying not that it doesn't matter, but just that that learning will come in at the level that somebody needs it. And in the general day-to-day use, you know, somebody just using what you've got on the rails, uh, they don't need that. They don't need that explanation. I guess, I guess, yeah. um, I, I just checked it is deployed on the server. So it is, it is live now and it's called, um, hang on, what should you inside be called? It's called a uh, values breakdown. What are the possible values for a property? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, there's gonna be there's there's gonna be a few steps between uh, like hard like actually actual like writing characters for coding queries and where we are now anyway. So maybe yes. I, I just have to have to have some some explanatory steps in there. But I think that's okay. I think like you know at a high level being able to say your values breakdown is made up of top end queries underneath that. That is something you can explain. I guess so. Uh, and also, like, it, it turns out that um, more people than should have should really uh, have like more more people than necessary actually didn't get what top end means, and so they went straight to the oh yeah, I, I, apparently I need to just use the code to to code to code my query step because mm-hmm. they didn't understand the user interface. So that's yeah. also a a danger, of course. It's a uh... This is this is a thing with you know the things that we we build. I think if if something needs repeatedly explaining, you've got to respond to that. Yeah. Uh, so you're doing the right thing, even if it sort of feels a bit like ah, oh, but that's not what it's called, you know. <laughs> um, or oh. yeah. But I, I'm I'm looking at our show notes now, and I'm looking at things we've talked about before because I'm curious about something that is a okay. jump away from from naming and that is i can see you've done a bit of android development since i last spoke i have um i i took a short trip to android land um so one of our potential customers was like hey this is really cool but uh i want to use telemetry deck for not only for uh, my ios app but also for my android app and for that, it needs to support an earlier version of Android. Uh, okay. So uh, Android version numbers are kind of numbered. Like you have Android SDK 21, for example. That is Android Lollipop. Yes. Uh, and we supported, previously we supported uh, um, the lowest possible version was uh, SDK, I want to say 25. And um, so this person was like, hey, can you try and support uh, 21? <laughs> uh which is lollipop 
uh, which is kind of the last. Like, if you ever ever asked me to name a Android version, I would have said Lollipop. I don't know. That's like, um, yeah, twenty fifteen ish. I want to say, and apparently this is still uh, on enough devices that it's it's uh, it's a sensible thing to support. Hmm. So uh, last weekend, I was like, okay, I could. Um, I could just just try to hack this, but if it feels like I need a bit more knowledge in how people use this SDK, um, be, otherwise I can't really recommend people to use it, right? Yeah. Um, and I wanted to write uh, our friend Constantine, who wrote the original SDK. Yeah. Uh, but he was unavailable, I think. Uh, and so I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit down. And I actually did... Google's original tutorials on how to write Android apps these days, like how to write a modern Android apps. You write them in Kotlin, um, which is a very Swift-like language. Uh, And you actually use a framework that the name of what is kind of gone right Is it Jetpack Compose? It is Jetpack Compose, right. And Jetpack Compose is... It's not really exactly like Swift UI, but um, it feels sometimes like a, like if Swift UI and uh, React Native had a baby, kind of. <laughs> yeah, or maybe React, not React Native. Um, and it's all super, like incredibly well supported by um, by IntelliJ's uh, IDE. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, which is I think the official like Android Studio, and I think that's yes. the official way of writing Android apps, and it's all very well integrated. It has like the Swift UI style previews, um, it has really good syntax highlighting and auto completion, and you really notice that um, Kotlin, the language, is actually developed by IntelliJ. Um, so they they were the people who actually developed Kotlin, I think. So yeah. Kotlin runs in the Java um, VM, but it feels very Swifty and very modern. Um, the only thing that I really disagree with is that Kotlin, by default, a lot of the um, a lot of the APIs, they don't have named parameters. The parameters are, <laughs> oh well, it's kind of it's kind of weird, but good, but bad, but weird. So yeah, the parameters are named, but you don't write the parameter name. So if I call a function that says I don't know follow Dave on Mastodon, then open open bracket, and then maybe I need. Uh, my account. So I, in Swift, I would write like my account colon and then the variable that contains my account. Yeah. And in Kotlin, I would just just write the variable that contains my account, and then the IDE because it knows the name of the parameter will insert the name of the parameter in front. But I don't have to type it. Okay. And it yes, looks so really I've come cool. across this. Yeah. It looks really cool. It's very readable, but it felt eerie. <laughs> <laughs> I I had this exact experience uh, about oof, two and a half years ago, at least. Um, yeah, uh, in the I'd spent about three weeks or so working in an Android code base mm-hmm. and picking up bits of Kotlin and adding some some basic updates and features. I'd just done the same for an equivalent iOS app, so I carried you know context and understanding of what we were trying to do quite well. Uh, but yeah, the parameter thing tripped me up. And actually, people get it the reverse way around, right? As the if people go from that to them working with Xcode and Swift, it's like, oh, okay, 
the IDE is not doing this bit for me. This this feels clunky and weird. Yeah, I get um, that. yeah, yeah. So I think this is one of those those bits in the divide where it's like it's not right or wrong. It's just different on either side. Uh, is my very diplomatic <laughs> response to this. I prefer it the Xcode way, of course. But yeah, I experienced a bunch of that um, with using Android Studio then, and um, things like. Kotlin not having um, a guard statement as well. So you end up using, I think it's, they call it like the Elvis operator um, is one of the things that can be used when working with optionals. Yeah. I'd need to, again, it's a little while ago, so I can't remember exactly where this comes in, but I think it's, is where you want to essentially unwrap an optional, uh, which is a lot of what my guarding is for. Mm. So, I ended up coming across that at that time. And it, it's called the Elvis operator because it's got a, a colon and then a question mark after it. And it kind of looks like his hair. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, that's kind of cute. Yeah. Uh, but I found Kotlin very nice to work with. And people who, and developers that I work with, who've worked with both sort of scenarios have been sort of explaining to me that, yeah, Jetpack Compose is really quite nice these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's very possible to write what you need to write inside of it um, without sort of going to other Androidy ways, which is cool. You know, I feel like it's perhaps almost further along the Swift UI in that respect. Uh, and again, I don't want to um, bag on Swift UI. I love Swift UI, but there mm-hmm. are some edges, and I right. do have to put my, my love for it to one side and be honest about the fact every so often I run into one of these edges and uh, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, the air is blue uh, and then I move on. But um, yeah, Jetpack Compose is, is, is pretty pretty good from what I've been hearing. So that's interesting. You've set up a new app. You've been playing with Jetpack Compose and I guess pulling in the SDK to see how it all works from the Android side. So yeah, pretty much. Right. And it's, it's like the, the app is just basically three screens and I can switch between the screens. So there's no functionality there. I just wanted to see, yeah. like, does it send the signals? Does it report all the, all the stuff? Like, um, the main compatibility for Android 21 was, um, that uh, everything be- below 25 reports its operating system version slightly differently. So yeah. I just have to check, am I on a lower operating system version? And if yes, then just ask the op- operating system differently for its version. Um, oh. so that wasn't like too hard. And in fact, in fact, then once I realized how that works and then once I like played around with it and everything, and I wrote some code and then I looked on GitHub, um, because I wanted to create a pull request and someone, uh, actually had created a pull request for the telemetry day Kotlin SDK. Yeah. And the pull request was named, uh, support older versions of Android. Uh, no, okay. here, here it is. Add support for Android uh, 21. And it had exactly the same, cha- like down to the, <laughs> down to the letter, the same changes that I had. Um, and it was open, uh, it was opened like last year or so. So oh, I you. wrote to the person, said, thank you so much. I'm really sorry I didn't see this. And merged it uh, so that that this person, um, they're called, hang on, what's your name? Stanislas Chevalier. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for your work. 
and and they actually they actually wrote me on 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 uh, Mastodon data and and said I guess it's fine it's awesome that I merged it so they weren't too um too angry with me <laughs> that's really cool though it's I mean you yeah you went the long way around when somebody had already yeah given but you I that. did I did enjoy learning all this uh, in the yes. end writing Android apps is on the technical side it's a lot of fun uh, mm-hmm. the output doesn't really sit well with me because um if if i feel like and i'm I'm incredibly biased of course but i feel like it's still way uh the the output still looks way better if you write swift ui on mac or ios um because uh that's just what apple puts a lot of work in into like um if if stuff appears on the screen then it should um, be very consistent and very good looking yes um and android is is more pragmatic there. It's just like, oh, how how do you want it to to be? Like, just 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 tell tell us, like, whoa, you want this this color? Oh, of course. Yes. Um, so yeah, I it's 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 less opinionated, which is uh, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like that part. <laughs> uh, but I like the language and the framework, and it was a good experience. That's cool. That's really cool. And I I feel like I need to spend some time in android world at some point as well but i think that's if i think about the reality of how i want to spend my time free time over the rest of this year that's not going to happen yeah also don't don't do it like um i uh, i am very biased but it feels to me like uh like people are writing even less native ios uh, native android apps than they are writing native ios apps yes um because Writing native apps is just a lot of work. And if you have to do it twice, then you have twice the work, which is already mm-hmm. bad. But you have one thing that is way worse than that, which is the syncing problem. Um, syncing <laughs> with a Y. So synchronization yes. problem. Um, because you will have to synchronize the features between your different apps. And they're never going to be exactly the same. And it's that, that is a, a big problem. Even if you have the person power to, ro- to work on two apps at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so I th- I feel like... People sometimes put in the effort to to write an iPhone app because the people who use iPhones, um, they value the quality and they're just also like people on iPhones just like spend more money to let's yep. <laughs> to be yeah, fair. Yeah, that's true. Um, but my feeling is that as soon as people think about like, oh yeah, now I need to add, add an Android app, or maybe they think ahead and they want to add an Android app, then the the um, the chance that they're just going for a um, cross-platform fl- framework like Flutter or React Native or stuff like that, um, it just it it just grows and grows and grows. So yeah, yeah, maybe maybe learn Flutter or um, or React Native if you want to write write an Android app. I don't know. I don't know. I think <clears throat> I would lean into the the Kotlin compose thing if I wanted a native a native iOS a native Android app even uh-huh. now. Uh, just because of everything I've heard, it's piqued my interest. But I, I get your point. Um, the other more kind of pragmatic use of my time, uh, if it's a Fediverse thing, and especially with where 2TestDK is at and all of that, a more pragmatic use of time could actually be to look at making a, a, a PWA um, and actually making a, a progressive web app that can be used on the browser in one way or another um, that can then also be, be added to your home screen on Android. That could be another, another route. Um, Not quite as good as a native experience, I'm sure. Um, Mm. But it could be a way of covering more, more ground, more area with what I'm doing and getting almost, almost a two for one. 
Oh, yeah, uh, but totally. Again, these are not formed ideas or statements, really. It's more just a case of these are things that are on my radar of, like, if I ever do anything different to iOS development, mm-hmm. uh, where would I go, you know? And uh, I think PWAs for web and a bit of Android is one route. And, yeah, for me, I, I would probably ignore everything you've said and go for Kotlin and Jetpack Compose. <laughs> <laughs> then, then, of course, do that. Like, I am not uh, exactly the most experienced Android developer, as you know. Uh, so take my um, take my opinions with uh, a galactic size grain of sand uh, salt. Even <laughs> um, I'll probably have to learn Flutter and or React Native at some point anyway, because those SDKs still want to be written at some point. Yeah, and and honestly, Flutter is not bad in terms of what I've seen of it. Like Dart isn't a bad language. Oh no, I, 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 I hear very good things. Um, yeah. But yeah, also, oh yeah, if you want to. If you want to help me out by writing a Flutter or React Native SDK for a telemetry deck, just like give us a little toot toot, you know, with your with your car horn. Um, <laughs> so yeah, or or with my, or on Mastodon, uh, that would be great. But one of those things might be more productive than the <laughs> other. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, Daniel, I am going to have to get on with the rest of my day. It's early morning here in New Zealand, and I've got a bunch of work and things to do as as usual we sort of finish the show on this kind of note uh but it's been great talking with you mm-hmm. it has uh, totally before we go can mm-hmm. you tell people where they can find you online yes people can find telemetry deck at telemetrydeck.com but more importantly they can find me at daniel at social.telemetrydeck.com and what about you? Tell us where people can find you and your projects. Well, you can find out about my apps that are actually available right now on lightbeamapps.com. And you can find me over on Mastodon Stroke the Fediverse at David Gary Wood at social.davidgarrywood.com. We really need, need shorter domains. We do. I kind of messed up with that one. It doesn't it doesn't help that my username is a mouthful in the first place because it's just my full name. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, maybe I'll change that one day. Maybe, but for I'll, now, maybe I'll also use my full name. Daniel Benjamin Felix Yilk at Ooh. social. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because as a username, it makes sense to me, right? I've got the domain. I've got this everywhere. And it's like a brand name almost. But then if somebody ever actually says it to me, oh, yeah, yeah David Gary Wood, it's like, whoa, my mum's just called me and told me off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get that. But yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Totally your, it's totally your brand name. I guess so. Maybe you should uh, just shorten it to D- DJ, um, DGW or something like that. Yeah, potentially, potentially, yeah. Uh, anyway, on that note, it's been great talking with you, Daniel, and I'll catch fantastic. you again next time. Have a great day and see you soon. Bye.